Welcome to another episode of the Providence Friarcast, presented, presented by PCBB 1917.com. Your home for Providence College basketball news, notes, and opinions. Now here's the founder of PCBB 1917.com and your host, Mike Hopkins. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Providence Friarcast. This week we'll be doing a little bit of guerrilla podcasting. Uh, Brendan and Chris and I could not get together. We all had conflicts on different nights. Uh, so I brought in a special guest for this week to talk uh, Providence. He went to St. John's University uh, undergrad, St. John's University Law School, and he routinely enjoys making fun of me and for all Providence and Notre Dame football-related things. And that's my dad. Hey, Dad. Good morning, Mike. Thank you very much for having me. So Providence went 1-1 one one last week. Uh, obviously the tough loss against Marquette. Uh, Marcus Howard went for 52 points, tying the Big East record that um, I believe Marvin Barnes and Marshawn Brooks have also done, 52 points. Uh, but Friars fell in a game on, on Wednesday last week in a game where they pretty much had an under control and uh, probably should have won the game ultimately. Some key stretches in the final minute or so where they had a couple of bad turnovers. It's sort of been a, a bit of a theme for this team in, in close games. They've been able to survive during the non-conference against some lesser opponents by fumbling down the stretch, but Marquette made them pay. Marcus Howard was just unconscious, obviously, with the 52 points. And Marquette has gone on to, uh, they had a nice win against Seton Hall. So, you know, maybe they're not, uh, maybe that wasn't as bad of a loss, although losing at home, never a good thing. Uh, but then Providence on Saturday really recovered, I think is, uh, recovered might be an understatement. Played probably their best game of the season, defeating uh, then fifth-ranked Xavier at home at the Dunkin' Donuts Center uh, in front of a pretty close-to-capacity crowd. I was there. Uh, with my wife and two of her friends, we had seats up in uh, the very last row of Section 214, living the penthouse life. And uh, even from up there, they they still look pretty good. Um, so let me bring in my dad now. Dad, what what are your thoughts on on the the Xavier game? What what give me some of your your overall thoughts so far? Well, simply put, I thought. Uh that Providence was absolutely marvelous against Xavier. Um, I, the way they played that day, Mike, means that they're capable of playing against any team, any conference, any day, any any location. It was just superlative. Um, the thing that I was impressed with, there were a couple of things, well, several things. First, their free uh, throw shooting from the uh, foul line was just extraordinary, uh, 20 of 22, something of that order. And that's something that I've thought and we've talked about, I, I thought that Providence has been lacking in, in that they could have actually been kept in a couple of extra games this season had they been shooting well from the uh, uh, the free throw line. Uh, the other thing, Mike, is that they, they really controlled the game. They never put themselves in a bad hole, which they have a propensity to do every now and then. I thought the scores uh, amongst all your plays were well distributed. Uh, I don't think they, except for a few minutes in that first period, Mike, I don't even think they um, they trailed at any point in time. Got a little bit close, uh, but just just a remarkable play. And I think, and, and I, I, we've talked about this, I think uh, Providence is a remarkable team capable of playing the with the best teams in the nation on any day. 
Yeah, it's interesting on the on the the balance scoring. I went back and looked at Providence's games this season. This is the second time all year that they've had five players and scoring double figures. The other uh, the other two games were uh, against Washington earlier in the year uh, at the at uh, Madison Square Garden and against Brown, which ended up being an overtime game. Uh, but every those are the only two other games where they've had five guys scoring double figures. So balanced scoring, Cartwright led the way, 19 points, 9 assists. He played 37 minutes. It's amazing what happens when he's healthy. Um, Isaiah Jackson also. We got the good Isaiah on Saturday. 18 points, 6 rebounds. He was 8 of 8 at the line. Bullock, 17 points, 6 rebounds, and sort of what's become sort of the norm now for him, which I think is also important. Um, I, I also thought the real story for Providence was defense on Saturday they really were able to play an effective zone defense against Xavier. They forced a lot of turnovers. It almost looked, was was a flip of the script where Providence has struggled a lot against Xavier's zone. And on, on Saturday in this game, Xavier really struggled with Providence's zone. And uh, so credit to Ed Cooley for going there. I, I know he doesn't love playing zone, but, you know, the matchup dictated and, and they went for it. Trayvon blew it had just 12 points in 37 minutes. He had zero points and only took four shots in the second half. So that, to me, the real story defense overall for, for Providence. Mike, I agree with you on that. Uh, the uh, the turnovers were just remarkable. There were several of us watching the game, and at one point in that first period, I commented that I thought they had uh, forced Xavier into turnovers more often than they ordinarily would do in an entire game. And uh, I just thought they played superlatively on the defense. You're absolutely right. Everything just complemented one another, Mike. Uh, the players were playing beautifully on offense, defense. I think Cooley absolutely coached a spectacular game, in my opinion. The point distribution is what you said. It was uh, widely distributed. Everybody played beautiful defense. And uh, Jackson, I think I had him down scoring 18 against St. John's. If my memory serves me correctly, he scored three. So uh, he was a major contributor to that outcome as well. I repeat, on any day, any court, any team, Providence can play them. Well, that's certainly uh, something that's going to be tested. They have a pretty difficult upcoming month in the Big East. Obviously, uh, looking ahead to DePaul on, on Friday night, which a game which will be interesting from a viewer standpoint as Fox is broadcasting it with the coaches mic'd up for the whole game. So that'll be interesting. I'll talk more about that later. Uh, but the, they have, after they, they got DePaul Friday at home, and then they have uh, Monday, MLK Day, they're playing Butler. Then they have Creighton at home. Then the three uh, a three game road trip at Villanova at Seton Hall at Marquette uh, and then they get to Paul again on alumni weekend February 10th so the next month or so is just not not exactly easy not that anything's easy in the Big East but to go on the road against three of the better teams in the league uh, and bring in Butler and Creighton to the Dunkin Donuts Center so they definitely have their their work cut out for them yeah, Mike, I just wanted to add one other thing, just, just gen generically speaking. I thought we were going to speak a little bit about uh, St. John's. Uh, it seems to me that you've cut me off deliberately on that one because you know I'm a, that's my alma mater. But I think St. John's uh, at some point in time is going to be a terrific game too. Uh, I thought that they played uh, Providence to uh, a virtual dead heat in the first half. I think it was 41-40. Uh, 
Providence over St. John's and vice versa. That was a wonderful game. Uh, Providence outlasted them, obviously, in the second period. I thought they fatigued a little bit. And the one one qualifier I put on Providence being capable of playing against everybody, they got to remember from the neck up mentally, uh, they've got to show up for the game. Uh, there are occasions, and I haven't seen it this year, but in years gone by, where I, I think the, the players sometimes almost give an appearance of being distractive. When they're not distracted, when they're focused on a game, uh, I think that they're just a terrific team. And I think Cooley's just a spectacular coach. I don't know what to say. He's just a spectacular coach. The only other additional comment I would put, Mike, is I, I really I think if they keep playing, they're meeting Providence, obviously, the way they're playing, uh, they're going to get another invite to the NCAAs this year. And I think that they could go uh, far deeper than anybody would have ever predicted. Again, uh, if their attitude is, is where it belongs, they're in the game, uh, they don't allow themselves to get put into a hole, they, they play the way they've played on a couple of these more recent games, terrific team. So those are my concluding comments, and I thank you very much for uh, asking me for my observations. Special thanks to my dad for joining me for uh, for this episode. We met, uh, he picked me up from the train. Uh, we we recorded in his car for a little bit before work this morning. So that was the gorilla aspect. But uh, also the audio may sound a little different. I mean, had some technical issues. We were using uh, the iPhone microphone, passing it back and forth. So um, that's maybe explained some of the audio. Hopefully the next episode we uh, have that ironed out. I have to order some new uh, a new cord for the microphone. But uh, just wanted to give a little recap of Marquette. Just some of my my top line thoughts. Um, I, we didn't really talk Marquette before, so um, first thing I was just uh, impressed that they basically had that game won without Rodney Bullock. Uh, Marquette certainly no slouch. Uh, seems like they they have some some offensive firepower that that you can't really mess with. Obviously, Marcus Howard was unconscious with 52 points, but uh, first my first thought was that I was pretty impressed with their offense. A lot of flow. They were able to score 90 points. They only had two made three pointers. So that aspect positive. 32 of 41 at the free throw line. Very positive. Uh, the negative side, obviously, some key mistakes down the stretch. Uh, this is not not something that is was new. They this is something that they they did in the non-conference against lesser opponents, and were able to survive. But obviously, not the case uh, in the Big East. Marquette made them pay. Kyron Cartwright, twenty-nine points in forty-two minutes, shows he's feeling good. So that's uh, that's 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 certainly good news for Ed Cooley. As long as Cartwright continues to stay healthy and play with a level of confidence that we've seen in various spots this season, I think Providence will it'll be in every single game the rest of the way. And on Cartwright specifically, just a little update, he uh, now has 550 career assists through 118 games. He's fourth on the all-time list in Providence history and just recently passed Billy Donovan. Next on the list ahead of Cartwright is the one and only Chris Dunn, 
starring now for the Chicago Bulls. The Friars had dinner with Dunn on Thursday night in Chicago. Dunn had 552 assists. Next on the list, in second place, Ernie DiGregorio, 662 assists. So Cartwright trails him by 112. And Vincent Council tops the list. Most assists in school history, 725. Cartwright unlikely to get there. Ironically, uh, Council also did 725 in 118 games, which is where Cartwright is right now, just to give you an idea of the, uh, of the volume there for Council. Very impressive record that he holds in school at school history. And as I mentioned earlier, you never like to lose home games, especially in league play, especially to teams not named Villanova. But the goal for Providence now is just to get to 10 wins. It almost doesn't even matter how they get there, 10, 10 wins in league play, because the league is so strong, top to bottom. All 10 teams currently ranked in the top 100 of Ken Palm. DePaul ranked 100th as I record this. Villanova number one in the Ken Palm. And then you got Creighton, Xavier, Seton Hall, Marquette, and Butler all in the top 40. Providence, I believe in the 60s, 61 maybe. So a lot of opportunities in, le- in, this, in this league. Uh, the metrics are going to be there. It's just a matter of whether or not they can get to 10 wins. I think that's, that's putting them at 19 wins overall going into the Big East tournament. I don't know that you can really think about 18, 18 wins going into the Big East tournament. You probably have to win two games to get to 20 depending on who your opponents are. So uh, the goal, obviously, another NCAA tournament bid, and uh, I think 10 wins is the key. So that's really all that matters right now. And obviously having the uh, the rebound on Saturday after losing to Marquette was very impressive, and we talked a little bit, my dad and I, about the balanced scoring. Excellent defense. That was what struck me early in the game, sitting up in the 214 penthouse suite. We, uh, you know, it just seemed like Providence was just playing defense at a Xavier-type level with the steals. And then just one other thing on that Xavier game, Cooley uh, made the trade-off. He was allowing uh, Cantor to score inside and work pretty much one-on-one against Watson and at times Young. And Cantor had 19 of his 24 points in the second half, but the trade-off is that Trayvon Blewett only got four looks and didn't make any. So... Really, uh, really interesting coaching job by Cooley there. A little bit of a gamble, uh, but his offense was was solid enough that they were able to withstand the uh, the easy two pointers and and limit the three point shooting of Marquette uh, of the three point shooting of Xavier. Forty four of the seventy two points for the Musketeers in the paint, but only five made threes on eighteen attempts for twenty eight percent. Moving ahead to DePaul. Uh, the line came out with DePaul as a slight favorite. Immediately got moved pretty quickly to a pick. So that should be interesting. Ken Palm had the game 74-73 in favor of DePaul. Blue Demons are 8-8 eight and eight on the season. They are 1-3 in Big East play. They got their first league win last time out on Saturday against St. John's, who is just plummeting to 0-5 in league play after losing to Georgetown Monday night at MSG. And Marcus Levette now out for the season. Questionable whether or not he's actually injured, apparently. So that's some drama, maybe. DePaul is not very good at defending the three-point line. 280th nationally, 37.5% as a team. Their leading scorer is Max Struess, who is a redshirt junior who transferred to DePaul after two seasons at Division II Lewis University. He sat out last season due to the uh, NCAA transfer rules. His mom, Deborah, is in the DePaul Athletics Hall of Fame. She played basketball and volleyball 
for the Blue Demons. Uh, Strew scored over 1,000 points in his two seasons at Lewis and has been very impressive. Here from Ed Cooley on Strews from Tuesday's media availability. Strews is good. Wow. I mean, God bless them for finding that young man. He's a really good player. Can score at all three levels, post, super athlete. Really, really good three-point shooter off the dribble, catch and shoot. A lot of their offense runs through him. Providence has split the season series with DePaul the last two seasons after sweeping the Blue Demons the two seasons before that. Besides Max Struess, the other two DePaul players to keep an eye on are guard Eli Kane and big man Marin Marich. Kane is now a junior, seems to have leveled off a little bit uh, in terms of his development, but he's still dangerous. While Marek is a grad transfer from Northern Illinois, who Ed Cooley praised on Tuesday. Very versatile big man, can make threes, can put it on the floor. He gives them a totally different look than we've seen in a long time in, in our scouting. The final interesting aspect for Friday night's game in Chicago is that Fox Sports 1 will be broadcasting the game essentially without commercials, and both Ed Cooley and Dave Leto will be mic'd up the entire time. Very unique broadcast. The Big East, uh, during the media call on Thursday, said they believe this is the first time it's ever happened where there's been a men's basketball game played commercial-free where the coaches are mic'd up. So just a really interesting concept. I hope to have uh, Joe Davis on the podcast next week to discuss the experience and how he, he thought it went. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. But interesting uh, interesting angle. If you want to watch Ed Cooley, just Ed Cooley, there's an Ed Cooley channel on the Fox Sports Go app. There's a Dave Lato channel. And then the actual game itself will feature the coaches on the screen at all times in, in little boxes with the, the main action in the middle. So just something interesting to watch out for. And Ed Cooley was asked about it on Tuesday. You know, I really haven't thought about it, and I think it's a great question to have to be mic'd up for two hours. And But I think it's something that gives the school a profile. It's something that will definitely help you uh, and help give our fans here uh, really an insight to what it is to be in a game. Literally be on the bench in a game, be in the locker room. Uh, it's going to be a challenge for me because there's some things that I'm going to think about that I probably can't say. <laughs> Do you have to be... Like a lot? I mean, are you more concerned about I guess the way I coach is probably the way I play, competitive, feisty, very verbal, and in that, in that verbal, there's a lot of vocabulary that comes out that may not be as kosher, so I'm gonna have to, I'm, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to do a good job at it. Do you have to be careful in the sense you don't want to give away trade secrets uh, it, as well? There are no secrets, no. man. You know, the secrets are in those players. Yeah. Right? It's the old saying, right? Jimmy and Joe's, not X and O's. Yeah. And I hope our Jimmy and Joe's are better than theirs that day. Looking now ahead to Providence's game on Monday, Martin Luther King Day at home against Butler. Ken Palm has Providence winning 73-72, another close statistical game. Butler 12-6 on the season, including a 2-3 record in Big East play. They're on a three-game Big East losing streak, though. Uh, They did beat Villanova, who was number one at the time, at home in December. Lost their last three since then. And they do play Friday night as well as Providence, so that record will change by the time Monday rolls around. They take on Marquette Friday night, and then they'll travel to Rhode Island again for the MLK Day matchup. New head coach Laval Jordan, who took over for Chris Holtman after Holtman was hired away by Ohio State. Jordan played at Butler. Longest coaching experience was as an assistant under John Beeline at Michigan. 
He did coach one season as the head coach at Milwaukee before being hired by Butler. Similar to DePaul, Butler not good at defending the three-point line. Ironically, Butler 279th nationally, DePaul 280th nationally. Senior Keelan Martin leading scorer, 19.2 points per game. Martin also leads the team in rebounding at 6.8 rebounds per game. Through five games, Butler is dead last in allowing 88.6 points per game, but they are second in scoring at 86.4 points per game. For the season, they're giving up an average of 72.2 points per game and scoring 80.1 points per game. So you can get an idea of the disparity from their season average, which is largely non-conference play, and what's been going on through their first five Big East games. Obviously, scoring has been relatively uh, eye-popping in terms of the totals put up in some of these Big East games. Providence matches up well with Butler, mainly guards and wings uh, for Laval Jordan's team. Martin is a wing, really, but he plays uh, the four, essentially, for Butler pretty much the entire game. Players to watch for Butler besides Keelan Martin are Kamar Baldwin and Paul, Paul Jorgensen. Baldwin's coming off a very good freshman season at Butler. He's uh, currently averaging 15.3 points per game. Jorgensen transferred from George Washington and sat out last season. He's a redshirt junior averaging 12.1 points per game. And this game is at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Monday on FS1. I'm going to finish up this episode with a little gambling segment. Uh, We've kind of talked about it here and there in some of the uh, other episodes. But since it's just me the rest of the way here, I figured maybe I can add a little uh, gambling segment to uh, to to the proceedings. Explain a little bit uh, about some of the tweets you might see if you follow me, uh, what they what it means in terms of bet tickets and percent of spread bets and things like that. Providence currently one of the very worst teams in America. Certainly one of the worst large conference teams uh, against the spread. They are 4-11 and 11 against the spread on the season, and that was after they picked up a against the spread win against Xavier. So they were 3-11 and 11 before Saturday. I would contend, though, that the reason that Providence is pretty bad against the spread, part of it is because they've played two close games against lesser opponents in non-conference play. But part of it, too, I think, is that odds makers did not do a good enough job of building in the impact of Emmett Holt's absence. Some of the games seemed to overrate Holt's impact. Other times seemed like they underrated it. The lines have been kind of a little up and down, a little puzzling at times. Just so people are aware, uh, a lot of times... The lines that are put out by uh, by odds makers fall pretty closely in line with advanced metrics like Ken Palm, but many of those metrics are not really built to deal with a key injury like Emmett Holt prior to the season. They really have a hard time building in individual numbers on teams preseason because it's all projections anyway. So early season, you can kind of see that. It'd be I'd be surprised if Providence is quite as bad against the spread in Big East play, but. League play is always kind of a wild a wild card in terms of gambling. As for the DePaul game, uh, Blue Demons are 9-7 and seven against the spread this season. The line for this game opened as a DePaul being a one-point favorite. It was pretty quickly bet to a pick, and as of this recording, Providence is favored by a point and a half. The total probably will open, by the time you're listening to this, it will be open, but my guess is in the 148 range. So keep an eye on uh, PCBB1917.com. I put up the opening line post. I'll update that with the total when it comes out and the money line when it comes out. 
In a more general sense, anyone that follows me on Twitter, as I mentioned, and you can follow me there at PCBB1917, has seen the betting updates that I give ahead of Providence's games. What I'm really tweeting about there is the actual number of bets placed on the game, and then what percentage of those bets are on which team and what percent of the money is on which team. I find it to be a pretty interesting angle. Always interesting to see where the money's going. Doesn't always mean one thing or another. Doesn't mean you should bet according to the, where the money's going and where it's not going. I just find it interesting to monitor throughout the day of the game because you kind of see the money flowing in and ebbs and flows. It goes one way, it goes the other way. Sometimes you get a big bet and it really skews things quite a bit. So just really interesting. Uh, gambling is probably pretty close on the cusp of becoming legal in uh, the United States. Obviously, the Supreme Court is hearing a case right now in New Jersey versus the uh, all the major leagues. They're uh, trying to push for legalized sports betting in the state of New Jersey. Plenty of other states have put themselves in a position to act quickly should that decision be favorable towards New Jersey. So just going forward, I think gambling is going to be an interesting aspect, a little more mainstream, a little bit less uh, offshore and Bitcoin and some of the things that are confusing and scary for people. So always good to learn about things. So hopefully we can integrate more gambling talk here and there as we go. Maybe I even have uh, a college basketball handicapper on at some point. So just figured I'd throw in a little gambling segment here to end things. And make sure to check out the Patreon page at patreon.com slash PCBB1917. And now I want to give a special shout out to some of the higher level patrons. And that's JLD, John Lee Dumas, Mike Evans, my parents, Adam Nagel, Bob Allison, Ron Torvik, Brendan Ryan, Dan Marcus, Joe DeAngelis, Dennis Corbett, Mike Saburn, Ray Penta, Dennis Burns, Alex Simeone, Chris Thurlow, G., Terry Meyer, and Alan Russ. That'll do it for this episode of the Providence Friarcast. Thanks for joining me. Special shout out to my dad for uh, jumping in and helping me out a little bit, talking some PC hoops, despite being a St. John's grad. Two games on the docket. We'll talk about it next week. Also hope to have Joe Davis, the Fox Sports play-by-play uh, announcer, who will be calling the DePaul All-Access game with Len Elmore. As I mentioned earlier, I hope to have him next week to talk about the experience of that all-access mic'd up broadcast. And I'll talk to everybody next week. Don't forget to subscribe to the Providence Friarcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Mike Follow Mike on Twitter, Twitter, on Twitter and Instagram. At PCBB1917. Like the Facebook page. And, and as always, stay classy, Friartown. Town.